Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where freedom, health, and wholeness is our mission. In each episode, we will expose the lie that you are alone in your struggles and your pain. We share truth through our stories using the power of vulnerability and honesty, empowering you to live the life you are destined to live. Well, welcome back to You're Not Alone. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Jamie. Uh, we got Jamie back, and we have two of our favorite Australians, Scott and Helen. Good day. Good day. See, I like it. Little Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite movies. I, oh, it's a this, classic. This was the first conversation that Scott and I had because, you know, I, you guys, I'm from Montana. Yes. I, have, I have no culture other than Montana culture. Okay. And the first conversation we said, I said, look, my whole knowledge of, of Australia comes from Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2. And that's that's all I know. So I'm sorry. That's great. That's Australia in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, we are um, going to go into uh, a story, um, kind of a journey with you guys, and uh, we um, both were part of the same ministry training program here in Reading. Still are. Still are. Yeah, we're both going into our second years. We we didn't learn quite enough, so we're going back for more. We're wanting more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to say that out of the entire group, and there's about 60-some people-ish in, in, in our, in our uh, group, that you guys, I think, had some of the most amazing transformation mm-hmm. happen. From us just standing back, kind of looking at you guys. And we got to do experience that with you because, like, you guys were in our small groups as yeah. well. So we got to have a lot more connection than other people did. And so that was just neat to be able to see that process in you guys. Yeah. And mm. so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let's let's hear kind of the, the love story of Scott and Helen. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Yeah, well, the microphone really emphasizes the ooh. So just a step back from when we first met. A year before we met, I was living the dream, rock climbing as much as I could. That was my passion. Wow. With my girlfriend. Um, I lived for rock climbing and just so, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking it. like giant like mountains like how many feet up, like we're talking? Oh, I'm meters. Meters. Metric, oh, that's but, um, true. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Um, oh, varied up to five, six hundred feet more, I suppose. Uh, multi-pitch um, lead climbing. Um, nothing like Yosemite's height, but yeah, a place called Mount Arapiles in Victoria, which is just a mecca for rock climbing. Anyway. Okay, I mean, like 100 feet, you're dead. So, I mean, this isn't just like, oh, let's just... Yeah, I suppose anything over 100 feet doesn't yeah, matter because yeah. Yeah. you're dead. Just Yeah, so 500 <laughs> feet's no big deal. You're just as dead at 500 feet. Exactly. You just have yeah. a couple extra seconds to think about your bad decisions. Is that what the... Yeah. Okay. So, congrats. You're That's here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I made it. You must not have sucked too bad. You didn't die, so... No, I did a few silly things without ropes and survived, but... Wow. That's another story um but yeah i loved rock climbing and and with my girlfriend we just planned to do that for the rest of our lives and just leave off um hand out food and just climb um as a lot of rock climbers do um but after a few i won't go into details but after a few stupid mistakes stupid mistakes that we did i found myself in a large amount of debt 
and we ended up in Queensland. And then I got talking to a man in a bar. We call them pubs. And one, one, one bit of advice, I wouldn't take too much advice from a drunk man in a bar, <laughs> which what I did good life advice. as I was drunk at the time, I'm sure. Um, this was pre-giving um, my life to Jesus. And anyway, he said there was, really, there was a lot of work as a bricklayer in London. And I was a, I'm a, I've been a bricklayer for half of my life. And I thought that was one way, one great way to pay off my debt quickly. So my girlfriend was um, thinking that was a good idea. And yeah, this is not Helen, right? This no, is, this no. is this pre-Helen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, pre-Helen. And I can't believe there was a pre-Helen. How could Aww. there be pre-Helen? Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's another silly mistakes I made, um, which we may talk about. Um, anyway, I went to London with my bricklaying gear and all these promises, these false promises and hopes didn't come about the way I'd planned and dreamed. I did make some money, but not much. Anyway, long story short, I was over there for about a month and then got a phone call from my girlfriend and said she'd dump me. Um, so I packed up my bags within a week or so and came back to Australia. And the decision was still the same so I moved out of where she was staying up in the Sunshine Coast and and moved into a flat with another guy and continued bricklaying in Queensland and then I was on a construction site and I, f- I was working on there and a, the floor collapsed and I fell wow. down to the next floor and missed multiple pieces of Rio steel sticking up. I just landed right in the middle of these this spot where there like, was... Like rebar? Rio, Rio bar. Yeah, um, re, like, re, oh, yeah. This. Like half-inch thick steel rods. Wow. That, wow. And they were all around me, and I just landed right in the middle of them all. Any a foot either way, I would have been impaled. So I think God had his hand on me back then. Yeah. And I, but I did injure myself from some bits of steel went into my um, elbow and severed some nerves and things. But um, while I was in rehab... I met a guy who knew a girl who liked mountain climbing, and then that was me this time. That was oh. you. <laughs> that was the right girl, and you can tell a story from there if you like. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. he introduced us, and we climbed Mount Biwa together, and we both really enjoyed climbing together and liked each other so we started going out it was a bit interesting for me because i was a christian and he wasn't mm-hmm. so i dragged him to church probably the first uh, weekend good girl. that we could good girl and he can tell his own impressions of that <laughs> um, but i was attracted to him because i grew up on a farm where all we did was work on the holidays and really mm. had fun or holidays and he was someone who spent his whole life, it seemed, having fun, mm. which at the same time seemed attractive. Um, <laughs> as you can imagine, in later years, sometimes that's something to work through together. Sure. Uh-huh. But, yes, yeah, so we started dating and we, um, yeah, we didn't do the best job of it, job of it in some ways, but we ended up married. Mm-hmm. And then started working through real life, real life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church that um, you dragged me to, I remember all these people singing songs with their hands in the air. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? Do they all want to go to the toilet? Or so had you, had you um, grown up going to church at all or had been to church in the past? Or they are, I've 
was brought up in a Christian home, but it was more of a, I suppose you call it a, a conservative church. Okay. Um, so they weren't they weren't raising their hands and and no. rolling in the aisles and no. Uh, was and this a Pentecostal okay. church that you came from? <clears throat> yes, I grew up in. A okay, Pentecostal so a little church. bit more Very vibrant different. than you were used to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no mention of the Holy Spirit. No gifts of the Spirit. Sure. No. No personal relationship with a saviour, really. No, okay. none. That's the that's the main thing. There's gotcha. no personal relationship. Mm-hmm. So then you're yeah. thrust into this place where they're talking about God as like a real person that you should know. Yeah. Wow. And it took me about a month to um, going to Helen's church for a month or maybe more. I've forgotten the exact details. And every time they had an altar call, I just felt it. it was a physical pulling of my heart. It was like it was a rope attached to my heart pulling me out to the front of the, mm-hmm. the church. And I was just was like, what's going on? And and it was just a real physical, um, I've never had a manifestation, but it was just a physical feeling. Yeah. And then it, after about a month or so, they gave an altar call once again, and, and I just said yes, and I walked out. It was one of those churches where they actually asked you to come out the front and really make a display so of they're your, asking if you wanted to accept jesus yes so like yeah. so they bring you it's like they'd have you come up front and they'd say if you you know repeat after me or pray it with me and they make this like Absolutely. make the decision you know yeah. publicly publicly it oh, wasn't wow. just a, everyone close your eyes and yeah. sneakily put your hand up this was a real <laughs> out there yeah for me wow but it was it felt such a peace and a right decision and were you guys married yeah. yet or this is before this was before. This was before. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I don't think she would have married a heathen back then. <laughs> well, that's kind, of, that's kind of biblical. <laughs> so good for you for having standards, you know? Yeah. We don't do everything right, but at least we get that part right. Yeah. And so you guys, uh, after that, you begin to, did you, were you doing a worldwide tour of rock climbing or what, you know, what happened? No, um, Helen had been introduced to rock climbing through the friend we'd, we'd known together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just started climbing on weekends together having fun and and hiking we did a lot hiking. of hiking mm-hmm. we ticked off every mountain in southeast queensland nice. nearly so oh, wow. yeah, we yeah. had a lot of fun wow loved the beach snorkeling and um had a lot of fun together Good. so you just really experienced all that australia is famous for and has yes yes mm. and, and then was, we decided scott should get a job <laughs> oh no poor scott <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like that idea. I thought I'd just live off this wealthy scientist and (laughs) live the dream again. But Uh, no. Well, that's well, that's yeah. Yeah. We should yeah. So Helen, you are a medical scientist. A medical scientist. Now, what is a medical scientist? Well, I think the terms are a little different here in the states. So we do the blood testing. So when you go and have your blood drawn, um, when the doctor asks for you to have some blood tests, Mm -hmm. I would be the person on the other end testing the blood. Yeah. So mainly I was doing infectious diseases and immune status. I also worked in a blood bank. So we would test all the blood donations to check that they were safe to donate. Mm-hmm. So not only is she beautiful, but she's also very smart too. So total package. Yeah. Total package. Good job, Scotty. Right. Yeah, I married up. You he married did. up. <laughs> <laughs> so Helen, you said you grew up in, in, a, in a Christian home, but there was kind of some challenges with that. Yeah, and I don't completely understand it to this day. I just remember from a very young age being very unhappy. I felt dark, like we had to draw a picture of our lives at school one day and I just drew black on the whole page with a tiny lightning strike in the bottom corner. So I don't 
know why, but it was there. My parents loved us and they looked after us and so, but it was just something that followed me and I just know from a very young age I wished I'd not been born, I wished I'd died in the womb, I wished I'd died at birth. It just wouldn't go away. Mm. And growing up in a Christian home, I was very aware that this was not how I should be thinking and feeling, but I couldn't stop the thoughts, I couldn't mm. stop the feelings. So were you ever, ever able to, you know, tell people, like tell mom, like mom, I feel oh, this way, or dad? No, we didn't really talk about stuff like that. Mm. So I didn't feel that I could. Yeah, that And I don't even know I would have known what to say in sure. a way. It just seemed like me and I didn't want to upset my parents, I guess. And I remember the first time I talked to someone in a church, I would have been early 20s, and I just was told to pray more and read more word. Wow. So, hmm. so you um, basically your whole childhood just kind of kept it quiet then, huh? Or, yeah, I guess I've never really thought of that. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think in high school, I think we had to write something, and I may have mentioned suicide, and they talked to me briefly, but I don't think they really knew what to do with me. Wow. Um, so did that just kind of leave you feeling very alone? Uh, probably alone, but more wrong. I just felt wrong. Like there's something wrong with yeah, you. I was a square peg in a round hole everywhere I went, even in church. Hmm. And I couldn't seem to fix it. It just was a vicious cycle of try to pray, try to read the Bible, but it just bounced off. So then I was like, well, this is why I feel like this way. and This is why I don't like being a Christian. It's because I'm not doing enough. Hmm. So it kind of comes back to that works like and again I, and I think that's a lot of a lot of pastors a lot of Christians thing is like okay if I could just pray more yeah and if I could just read the Bible more then I'm gonna be a better Christian and I'm gonna get all those answers yeah the problem with that is is that it very rarely ever leads to relationship to closeness with the Lord right. or closeness yeah. with other people because right. again you still feel like you're the one that something's wrong with you mm-hmm. yeah and there was even a period I read my Bible very well. I color-coded every verse very technically, blue for mm-hmm. this and red for that. And, you know, it was beautiful, a work <laughs> of art. But nothing changed inside. I still wasn't happy. I just felt like I'd accomplished something. Wow. And so you guys, so even going into marriage, you're having a lot of these feelings and a lot of this stuff going on. And so there's these, you know, these different challenges. You know, for you as a husband, how did this make you feel? Did you know that this was going on inside? No, no, I didn't. Um, Not until I turned 40. So yeah. we would have been married for about seven years. Mm-hmm. That's but, not good, but... <laughs> no, that's... No. So, so, but even even in that relationship, you didn't feel like you could come fully, you know, as, as you were? No, so. I think in a way you learn to bury it and just get on with life. Mm-hmm. So I had a busy full-time job and, and mm-hmm. this life was busy. So you just lived life on this subpar level of living mm-hmm. um, and you tried to do fun things so that's when I met Scott that was a couple of years of great fun until injuries kind of stopped us gotcha and gave us something to live for and I think that's probably when it started getting worse again and I was actually seeing a doctor about going on antidepressants it was mm-hmm. that bad mm-hmm. and fortunately I reacted really badly to them so I only took two mm. um, and that's when I just started crying out to God saying, look, if you don't help, I may have to actually go the suicide route because I can't handle this anymore. This wow. is really hard work. And that's something that kind of tr- that had followed you even since you were younger, the suicide and the yeah. self-harm? Yeah. Wow. I never self-harmed. I mean, like a, a, 
a good Christian doesn't do such things, so I never would have done it. I just dreamt of it, of writing the note and how I would do it. Yeah. Um, I never progressed be- be- beyond that. But again, um, it's just having that the constantly kind of in the back of your mind. Yeah. Is, oh, it's, like, it's like an option. Like, it you know, is. You know. And any time something bad happened in life, it'd be like, well, this is why I should just w- go to bed and not wake up. Yeah. Is what's mm-hmm. com- a common thought yeah. I had going to bed. I wish I didn't have to wake up. Yeah. When did you start to receive healing from that? I just turned 40 and we were attending a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That um, yeah. we met a couple, Scott met a couple actually, who told us about Elijah House, which is an inner yeah. healing ministry oh. from the States. Similar to Sozo. Yeah. yeah in I've a way. heard of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were doing a course where it was one night a week and I knew I needed some help and we really liked the couple. So we decided to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. So <clears throat> you're able to finally start kind of telling some of these things that are going on. Yeah, well, I I probably never told anyone, and so the first night they do some training, and I think they may have talked about forgiveness or not even that, but then they sit around in a group and says, right, well, who's got something, some problems that they want to talk about? And I put my hand up straight away because I wow. just desperately wanted help. Yeah. And I did not care what I sounded like because um, this is a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, me? <laughs> See, and I think that's a reoccurring theme that the Lord has in your guys' life is this boldness to, to like like mad amount of courage. Like you guys, you're sitting there kind of shaking. It's true though. Like you guys are willing to bear yourselves in front of other people. And that's where most. Yeah, like what do you have to lose? It's yeah. like, you just yeah. will I do. Just yeah. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I have to try something because yeah. life is not worth living if if I don't. So I guess. Wow. I think that's the boldness between, with Helen and I, just more so in the last year during this ministry school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'm 53, Helen's 49. (laughs) And it's like, well, we're not getting any younger. I want want to get on top of this. I want want healing and breakthrough right now. You know, nothing against any 20-year-olds, but some of them might think, I've got years to sort myself out, but I I want to be... I want to be healed now. Of yeah. It's not so much boldness, it's desperation. Desperation, that's probably a better word. <laughs> sure. So, you, so you're in this place where you start needing help, but you're kind of in this place where in, injuries have affected you and kind of taken a part of who you are. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And so that, how was that, trying to muddle through that part of it? Was you? this related to that accident that you had on the job site or was this a different something that happened? Not really, I just... I remember we were rock climbing and then I got a, a shoulder injury mm. and that just really stopped me doing any difficult climbs. Mm-hmm. And bricklaying. And bricklaying. I was a bricklayer then and it started playing up on injury after injury with my back. So you're mm. so you're losing not only your passion hobby, but you're kind of losing your income as a person too. Mm. My identity was in having fun rock climbing mm-hmm. and also being a good provider for my wife sure. as a bricklayer because I earned fairly good money. When that got taken away, I was had to do other lesser, I thought in my mind, lesser jobs, um, which didn't make me feel like a, like a man. Mm. <laughs> I, I think the bottom of it, he came home one day and said, because he worked in a clothing, a, a retail clothing, <laughs> outdoor clothing store, uh-huh. he said, today I had to hang up women's underwear. <laughs> At all time low. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just taking, putting them on clothes on, on um, hangers. coat hangers, and it was. I just felt like, is this it, God? Uh, my, is this is this it for me? You know, 
I just, yeah, it wasn't a good moment so you, of my life. You went through a humbling process there. Of I did. Laying those former things you enjoyed doing down. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. He was truly stripped away yeah. of everything that he had used to make him feel of worth, I think. Yeah. Mm. That's right. And yeah. jump forward, I'm not going to jump, jump forward another 10 years. Before we came here, I was a cleaner at a hospital. Yeah. And a lot of that job I absolutely loved. It was so humbling because God was using me in a what I th- called a, a menial job. I think you call them janitors here. Um, and I was getting to pray for people. I'd seen some healings in the hospital. Um, people were talking about me, saying, oh, you know, go to Scott and get, pray, get prayer from him. And See, this is wow. what I love about this couple is that even though, because there's times when you guys were, I mean, think about quitting the program, you're, you're, all this stuff. Like, but you are still reaching out and ministering to people even when you did are struggling not, yourself. Yeah, I didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I remember there's times where, I mean, because we had a lot of talks with you guys and knew that some of the struggles, but on the flip side, you're praying for people. You're like even walking down to the, the, the bridge and you're praying for people along the way and, and, you know, helping kids with food and all this other stuff. It's like you guys minister whether you feel it or not. You but just I love that it. God was using you there in that job. What what you thought might have been insignificant in a position, but really our identity flows out of who we are, not what we specifically mm-hmm. do, like job title or whatever yeah. title you have in life. Like that just proves the fact that whatever God has on you, He's going to use you wherever you are in whatever job or whatever. So mm. that's beautiful that people were noticing that fruit on your life. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. powerful. But it had to have been hard at the same time for you, for sure. I was to start with. I was questioning, is this it for me, God? Am I just going to be a cleaner for the rest of my life? Mm. But um, then I just switched it around and just started to see the positive in it. And, that's awesome. Yeah. That's you know, deciding, really powerful. And that's really as a mindset, deciding I'm going to use whatever it is for his glory. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way that God promotes. I mean, so many times we want a platform, we want to be on a stage, we want to do all these other things. But I really think that the most, you know, some of the most powerful moments are those places when, man, things kind of suck. But yeah, I'm going to trust, I'm going to serve, and I'm still going to try to do what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what you guys uh, just exemplify throughout this entire process. So you guys start going through this. You're, you're having identity. You're having some of the mental health. Yeah, so in 2020, we still felt not quite right in our relationships with God. It just still seemed to be hard work. And we heard of a teacher and we heard some of his teachings. And he just really did explain who God really is and how he sees us and what he's done for us, what mm-hmm. Jesus did on the cross, and that there really is... An abundant life mm-hmm. um, and so for me it just started rewiring some of the foundational truths that I had yeah and it gave us I guess some incentive to keep going and then we decided to come to the States <laughs> in the middle of COVID and attend mm-hmm. a Bible college in Colorado which that's where this uh, main teacher was from mm-hmm. and he started this Bible college and we could have gone to the Gold Coast in Australia but it was a very, very small school and we wanted to be surrounded by more people. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, that's because I don't get on well with most people, so I wanted more choice. But, um, <laughs> we just, so we decided to come to the States. And so I, I want to read something that you, you'd written to me in some of our, our uh, notes here. And it, the, the, you wrote, prior to coming to Reading in, in 2021, 
I found that I was still tending towards living a life where deep down I didn't believe that God was good to me. I couldn't receive his love and I found the Christian life so exhausting because I was still playing the same game of trying to please a father who couldn't be pleased. Yeah, that sums it up quite nicely. Uh, well, that was very good writing, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <all. laughs> so explain that a little bit. So you, even though you're starting to receive freedom, but you're still like this whole, and this is what I resonated with is, is deep down, I didn't believe that God was good to me. Yeah. And I think that's what's frustrating. I was like, well, I've started to forgive these people. I'm learning all these new truths and I still don't feel particularly great about living. It was frustrating because I could see that potentially theoretically God was good. I could see it from all these teachings and I was just still couldn't get it down inside of me. For some reason, my mind would reject it, even though a little portion of my brain would understand it as the truth. Mm. Yeah. No, and I think that's kind of our story. Like, I think Jamie, for me, this is frustrating at times for me, is like, this is, this is a truth that Jamie got right away. And like I, like, I remember when Bill Johnson came out with his book, God is Good, and I read it like, yeah, I think, I think that could be true. Yeah, I taught that in our last church. It was one of our classes. Because <laughs> I, I, I had committed to and, us doing it. Yeah. And I got halfway through it, and I'm like, I, I had I had to punt it to her because I'm like, I and I did some real spiritual, like I, I really feel like the Lord. Yeah, I feel like you're supposed to teach this. One. I just yeah, I got this word from the Lord today in prayer, and and you're supposed to teach. But really, what it came down to is I didn't believe it. Like I, I yeah. believe that God was good to other people, but I didn't believe that he He was good to me. And even coming here, st- still struggling with that. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I think a lot of people can can feel that yeah, way. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think it's hard to believe if one part of your life is still living and thinking and feeling the way you were before you mm-hmm. heard that God is good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to change how you originally felt. So, Scott, you're kind of dealing with all these injuries and things like that. So how do you process that with God? What's going on in your brain and, and what are the steps that, that you feel like God's taking you towards? Back in um, the town we were living in, in Queensland in Australia, I had suffered from, it was basically like a chronic fatigue and other injuries, um, as well as some mental health problems. And the church we were going to, we met a guy there from America who was doing an online course with Karis Bible College in Colorado. And he had some... That's Andrew Womack, right? Andrew Womack, yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing man. Oh, amazing. He, healing ministry, um, yeah, amazing and he had some healing DVDs, which he gave me a lend of. And the healing DVDs were a reenactment of testimonies of people's miraculous healings, of just unbelievable um, healings of tumors and cancers, um, just being healed. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So I just devoured these DVDs and just couldn't believe this new type of teaching on, on healing. And... I think it took a little while for Helen to like him. It did. He has a, a very strong accent that I couldn't handle for a while. Yeah. Um, but I finally started listening and it just completely opened my eyes to wow. some foundational truths that I'd gotten really, really wrong in mm. my upbringing <laughs> and started to give me a bit of hope that there was more to God than I previously had thought. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Because so, it wasn't just healing DVDs. There was... 
he's on his website there's i think over two thousand hours of free teachings you can get access to Neat. Shameless little plug for Andrew yeah. Womack. Yeah. So, cool. so Andrew, if you're out. listening and you want to sponsor our show, um, <laughs> yeah. get a hold of me. At, you're not it, alone. It uh, is nice to live in this day and age where we do have access to yeah. a lot of yeah. teaching, really. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not just one stream of anything. Right, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But we definitely just felt something stirring in us that this was something to mm-hmm. pursue because it did seem like it brought life to us. And it certainly wasn't instant. It was still a... A long journey and a struggle but it definitely gave us hope yeah. yeah and so we thought about going to his school and there was one on the gold coast in australia which would have been ideal but we knew that it was very small only two or three students in person oh and wow we wanted a, just a bit more options and he has a large school in woodland park in colorado mm-hmm. and this was in the middle of covid and we actually thought oh well we wouldn't be able to get there. Hmm. But then we heard international students were coming in. So I looked at Scott and said, well, let's go there. And he said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Did I? I Yes, you did. (laughs) I had to convince him. Um, And yeah, so by this stage, actually, we had already sold our house because we were convinced we were going to go to the Gold Coast School. But as the process of the sale went through, we just lost, I guess, any desire to go to the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. And we were actually in this position where we'd sold our house and had nowhere to live. Wow. And God provided six months of back-to-back house sitting where we went really? from four, wow. four different houses. We would go and look after their house where they were away. And during this period, this is when we found out we could potentially go to Colorado. And so the first thing we had to do was get permission from the Australian government to leave the country because they didn't mm-hmm. want people coming and going. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, because COVID, Australia kind of went crazy with the whole COVID thing. Yeah. It really locked things down hotter than, yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So we thought, well, that's the first door to get through. And why would they let a middle-aged couple wanting to go to a Bible school out? Like mm. you had to have a very good reason. Mm. So we sent the application in and they said yes. And we're like, wow. oh, okay, so now we have to go. And it was a long process. We had to fly to Sydney to get a visa, which was very daunting. <laughs> and then um, coming across and then we nearly got locked in or locked down in one of the cities we had to fly out of. Oh, wow. But we made it over here. Oh, before you said that, just a lot of small testimonies, like we needed a new passport, which was supposed to take oh, 40 yeah. days and it took a week. Yeah. Oh, we, really? We needed a special credit card, which we weren't going to be paying interest on, which was supposed to international. So uh-huh. it was going to take how Two many? weeks and it took five days. It wow. came about two days before we left Whoa. the country. Yeah. Yeah, God just shortens time frames well, for me. And let's not minimize this because you guys took a huge risk in this. Uh, just obedience to the Lord is that, I mean, you sold your house mm-hmm. and you sold most of your stuff and yep. you showed up in America with, what, two suitcases each and yes. a backpack and that was it. That was yeah. it. Wow. And a lot of enthusiasm, which very quickly got crushed because it was just hard work. Yeah. Um, red tape, not having a social security number, just Things were difficult. I bet. New phones, buying a car, finding accommodation with no credit check and no background check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first few weeks, we really struggled and um, it was hard yucca. We just, 
I don't know what kept us going, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. But we were excited to be there. And so once we got to school, it, mm-hmm. it was good. So this was fall of 2021 then? Or? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. School started September. Yeah. And look, God was faithful. So he found us at six months of house sitting and he found us the perfect rental yeah. apartment in Woodland Park. So That's amazing. It was just you guys taking the leap. You know, you yeah. guys. And I think that's, you know, and Jamie and I, you know, our stories are, are very similar, except we didn't have to go to a foreign. Well, we yeah. went to California. Yeah, we. <laughs> that's, that's just, <laughs> I'll tell you it's what. It's way that's different than Montana. Way <laughs> different than any place I've ever oh been. Oh, my gosh. This is, a, this is like a yeah, different place. <laughs> but, you know, just being obedient. And I love your guys' tenacity. Like I, like, I hope that comes through is like, you guys just don't quit. Even though it sucks and it's hard, mm-hmm. like, you are still putting one foot in front of another. And it's not like, oh, this doesn't feel good. Like, <laughs> you guys are like, this hurts. Yeah. But we. Yeah. So, we, what was the process like for the school there then? The school was great because foundationally, it just set me up with my righteousness. Um, I was starting to understand God's love for me. Mm-hmm. It really was starting to settle. Slowly still, it's such been such a slow process, and I think it just shows sometimes the strength of our own mindsets, mm-hmm. how strong we've made these fortresses against the love of God, for instance, and what it might take to bring them down. Wow. I think also the key thing that happened for us was at the end of school, we realized we didn't want to do a second year. Mm -hmm. And we weren't sure what to do. So we'd arranged to go to Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada, Uh which is where the Toronto Blessing started. That's a fun place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was a three-week summer ministry school there. So we went there and I had two major breakthroughs, um, one of them in the area of forgiveness and another just in shame. Mm -hmm. And so we'd kind of thought to give Bethel a go. Originally when I'd looked at Bethel, I was like, no, that is just not our thing. The website put us off. We are not revivalists. We need reviving in our own life, let alone going and reviving someone else. Um, But we kind of thought, well, we'll go. So we drove from Colorado across to California Mm -hmm. early August. And even two days before school, we didn't want to go. We just thought we wouldn't fit in. We were too old. We were too this. We were too everything. We were just wrong. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we had no... um, other option yeah it was the best option available to us Mm. wow yeah so you enrolled in bssm and the first day we just thought we had never had a clear word from god to come Mm -hmm. we just followed our crazy desire and that kind of worried us too because so many people god told me to come god told me this and we're like (laughs) yeah not hearing anything that's a good point some people are desperate yeah some people have a crystal land yeah Yeah. Uh, god told me but god doesn't always speak in clear direct things like yeah so it's definitely a journey of trust and you know then questioning oh is this just my idea or is this you lord or you know but yeah that's real (laughs) so that's how we approached day one it's like oh my goodness what are we doing and on the first day, one of the leaders prophesied over the student body and they just picked out a few people and they picked Scott and myself out of 600 students as a couple to pray over and just said that God was going to refresh us this year and give us a second wind. And we went home thinking, huh, maybe he does know we're here. Yeah. Maybe it's good that we're here. Mm-hmm. Maybe he sees us. Jesus. So we stayed. So yeah. was that an like did, was that something that you kind of struggled with? Like, does God see me? Does God know that I'm here? 
Yeah, I, I was never very conscious of it, but I know in the last few years, if say, especially at that school of ministry, I would be in the worship session standing on the edge and I just thought if Jesus came into this room, he would go and talk to that person because they're worshipping more enthusiastically with me and he'd go and talk to them because they obviously love him more, but I, he would not actually see me mm. and talk to me. Yeah. But I think it does some, see you. And I think it was amazing just the power of even, you know, the Lord speaking through another person. Like that to me was not yeah. an accident that, that, that no. she no. stood up and picked you guys. Because matter of yeah. fact, I think you're kind of tucked off in the back, kind of in the oh, corner, yeah. just hiding. Always, always the back corner. <laughs> always. <laughs> you can hide, but he will find you. He knows where you are. <laughs> but I, I remember even, because we were sitting kind of up on the other side, but I remember... One is that the love that, that these kids in this RG had for you guys right away. Mm-hmm. And I remember how excited everybody was because you're like one of the first people, probably the first people in our RG uh, revival group. Cause we, so the way this works is when you come to the school is that um, it's a school of about 600 students and they break it down into groups of about 60 or so. And our group was super close. Like we're still really, you know, really mm-hmm. close group. Mm-hmm. And I remember how excited these kids, well, not kids, they're 24. I know, we call them kids, yeah, call really, them. They're, know, they're 20, all, they're, 30, 40-year-olds. They're, they're, <laughs> but just how excited they everybody was, like, kind of murmurs down, that's Scott and Ellen, that's Scott and Ellen. And, you know, just to see this, this kind yeah. of thing that yeah. happened to you guys. So was that transformative? Was it confirmation? I mean, what did that do to you guys on the inside had to be called out in such a public way? Well, like Helen said, we, we we believe God actually sees us and he mm-hmm. wants us here for this season. When I was ready to just pack up and go home right. into a life of not not good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And for me, it continued. There were three instances in the first three weeks. That was the first one. The second one, another instance where God told someone to go and stand behind me just as God started ministering to me about something. Because mm. yeah. later, my little analytical mind was thinking, so he told her to come and stand behind me because he knew that when that worship leader started doing that, that I would do this. And it blew my little mind. Wow. I was like, oh, my. And then the third instance was the third week of school, which is our first official RG, I think, revival group meeting, yeah. where I feel like, Jesus came into the room and said, I'm going to deal with that now. Wow. Yeah, and just being in a place where, like you guys said, you guys kind of came here in like desperation, like I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And, and following that and like God, I mean, that's one of the ways that God really meets us. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Like when we are hungry for him, he's not going to just go, nope, you, you know, you, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. Like he meets us where we're at. Yeah. So do you want to unpack that of what happened in that revival group meeting that we had? Yeah. Um, what was going on and what happened? Well, I know that Tracy was talking about oppression of the enemy. Mm. And this and, is our pastor. Sorry, mm-hmm. our revival group pastor. Yeah. Yeah. He was a man. And not not Tracy, <laughs> That's a female. That's point. <laughs> so just so you can visualize. Yes. Um, honestly, I don't remember much of what he said because of probably what happened. But I remember yeah. he was talking about oppression. He mentioned self-hatred and something else. And something within me just kind of stirred. Now, let me jump in, though. Because as a, somebody who was sitting there watching this, like I really resonate with that just because I struggled with, with that same thing. And I remember... 
and maybe it was the second time, but when he when he had said self hatred, you had a physical yeah. reaction to that that was a very spiritual, like you could feel it. Yeah. And what? Well, I I don't know. I wasn't. I I don't think I instigated it, but I just started almost like wailing and moaning in a just of a horrifically sad way it was just i guess the inside of me was just pulling something up i don't know the self-hatred and so some of the leaders rushed over and basically i had to choose to come out of agreement with um self-hatred and Mm -hmm. self-condemnation which is Mm -hmm. what i had been dealing with my whole life i just would never have known to name it as such it was just how i saw myself and i remember i even said to them but if this isn't me, I don't know who I am because I actually don't know how else to see myself. Wow. Um, so they said, well, that's all right, God, we'll show you. Okay. <laughs> so we, I did that and they commanded any spirit of self-hatred to leave. And it was interesting. I think I felt good. I, I felt good, but Scott actually felt something. Also, he was sitting mm, next yeah. to me. I forgot about that. Hmm. So what were you feeling, Scott? Well, when Helen had um, had this release or manifestation, I instantly just felt like a everything was something was bubbling up inside of me, like a, a joy and a peace and a happiness which I hadn't experienced for a long, long time. Hmm. And I, all I can put down to it is, we, you know, the two two of us have become one flesh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, some if Helen's been having this self hatred. Um, all her life then that's kind of um impacted impacted molded gone into me in some spiritual way or Mm -hmm. soulish way i'm not sure but then then i um so then when that was lifted off hell and it was lifted off me at the same time that's amazing it was 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 really cool well and i think that's important because there are strongholds that that we could actually set up and if you actually look at how the brains work is that the brain will actually go to protect that now there's also a spiritual side of this is where we can't open doors to the enemy to come into these things and and we partner with them through sometimes unknowing a lot of times unknowingly though yeah especially with you because it's like this Thing, this is something that you partnered with at a very young age like yeah. you don't even remember when no and you know and so we keep those things around and you're right like you two are married in one flesh and so you can actually start to feel some of the same things like if you're a husband and a wife like if one has oppression and things going on in their life the spouse will actually feel that it'll be confusing because you won't necessarily know when it's come from but when they're released from it that whatever those things that are going on those strongholds are breaking because you're one flesh Mm -hmm. you actually were getting released from some of these same things and that's why you're feeling this joy that's coming up because it's the holy spirit being released and activated in Mm -hmm. your lives in a way that it's probably never been released and activated especially as a couple and so Mm -hmm. all this stuff is just and and like we try to dismiss this like you know and there in the other Okay. That was a powerful moment for everybody oh, in the everybody room, in the, though. That really broke something okay. in the atmosphere, mm. atmosphere for sure. Like, yeah, that's so. I'd even me. say in helping people go into vulnerability, because that was a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. yeah. And a very honest and real raw moment that you went into. Mm. You know, to even have like this physical reaction to things. And people are like, wow, if it's God, God, I don't know how that works with physical reactions. But, you know, God is power. 
you know, the Holy Spirit is power. And it's like if I went and took a screwdriver and I put it into a light socket, introduced a a new power into my life, I'm going to have a reaction from the electricity Mm -hmm. coming from that. Yeah, God created Mm -hmm. us body, soul, and spirit, and they're all tied together. They all affect one another. So, yeah. And there's times, and I know there's some churches that don't believe that way. And hey, you know what? This is my podcast. If you want to find a different one, that's <laughs> you don't have fine. to agree. We're just I don't explaining. Even care. <laughs> because at the end of the day, you had something very real happen to you yeah. that changed you, marked you like you are not the same person. Yeah. yeah. How did things change after that for you? Well, initially, there was certainly that feeling of lightness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am aware that I had to continue to watch my thought life mm. because it was very easy for some of the thoughts to come back, especially if I thought I'd made a mistake or embarrassed myself. I could tend to rip myself to shreds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a lot of it has just been dealing with my thought life and choosing to replace the lies that come with the truths from the word of God and and even just truths that I have value and worth and people actually like me. And I think that was a big part of the school for us, people celebrating us and liking us who didn't even know us. And I thought, well, surely once you get to know me, you will not like me because that's how I would view anyone. And they still did. And I did silly (laughs) things and I embarrassed myself and they still loved me. Yes. Um, That was very transformational for me and Chris as well, because it's like you come into this environment where people seek to see you after the spirit. Yeah. Not according to your behaviors, your mistakes, your failures, all the things that we want to discredit and discount ourselves with because we know our history full and well. And, Mm. you know, we're harder on ourselves than anybody. And so, yeah, that's what was so beautiful. We experienced that ourselves, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. It's good to point out, too, and this is something that you'll hear us say all the time, is that it's one thing to get free, but it's also another thing to stay free. Yes, because, yeah. yeah, you do have to renew your mind. You have yeah. to come out of agreement. You can't, I mean, the, he's, the enemy's still going to try to accuse us and start, continue yes. to speak those lies to try to hook us back in, you know? And so, yeah, that's really powerful that you pointed that out, that, that you still had a process to walk through, to yeah. walk it out. And the beauty of the environment that we're in in the school is that you are constantly being reminded of that to keep track of what you're thinking and, and people loving on you. So it's good to surround yourselves with people who will speak goodness into you and yeah. see the gold in you. Mm. Remind you of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we're going to kind of keep on this thread of amazing uh, rega- revival group times. And I think, you know, the next one that really sticks out for me is you, Scott. And let me kind of set this day up a little bit is that there was a day that um, our uh, pastor had brought in. It was a it was a paper bag full. I, I call it the diabolical challenge day. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a bag of risks. It was it was it had horrible little pieces risks. of paper of different risks that a lot of people would have been terrified to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I start the day because uh, and honestly, I because when he told me because they said there was something like there's going to be singing in there, there's going to be some dancing in there. Some of it's going to be preaching and there's all these other things. And I remember they're saying like prophetic dancing. And I wasn't even sure what that was, but I knew I didn't want to do it. And so I had planned on actually getting up and walking out. And I was right behind you. <laughs> oh, there was, yeah. There was like total. Exodus. Like, and I was just going to pray that I wasn't going to have to get picked to go. And, and so uh, our, our pastor came over and he looks at me and he goes, 
Chris, I want you to go first. Oh, that's right. I'm like, you are a jerk. <laughs> that is not Jesus. Oh, but and you loved Tracy. I, you couldn't say no oh, to Tracy. Because he's got these eyes that just pierce <laughs> your soul with love. Yeah. And I remember, I remember reaching down i pulled that i and i'm just praying like don't let it be prophetic dance don't let it be prophetic dance yeah, you're I don't probably know like i'll preach like anything but that and i made a god like anything with that and i pull out and it was singing yeah it says lead oh lead us in singing a worship song and i looked at him i said no and he, no can i pick again i didn't even think because other people would just read them and drop them back in the bag <laughs> yeah. and pick a new one i'm like i didn't even think about that <laughs> I did it. It was great. You but did it an was, amazing job. Yes, it was you did. so awful. Oh, it was, it was, it, it really was a part of my breakthrough. It was. Was, you know, cause I had this, cause I had this instance when I was back in youth group and sang and it was, it probably was really awful, but people told me it was awful. I'm like, I'm oh. never singing in, in church ever again on purpose. And, uh, so I, I did this and it really was very freeing. So now Scott, that same day you had, at least for me watching it, you had, kind of a breakthrough that day and did something that nobody else wanted to do. Oh, I sure did. Um, uh, bring uh, us, tell us how that all kind of came about, because I think Helen may have kind of passed it on to you a I little did. bit. They were bringing the bag right to me, and I just said, no, give it to him. The diabolical bag <laughs> of tricks. Yeah, yeah, because it was the last, really person, the last person that did uh, a, an act or a, a challenge. Because it was their nobody job. could top what you did. I mean, this is literally like, like you know, that scene in Great Balls of Fire when Jerry Lee Lewis lights the piano on fire and yep. nobody else wants to come back out on stage. That was you. So yeah, what happened, Scott? Well, Helen um, passed that on to me because she didn't want it. She was shaking her head when, yeah. when Chris was pointing the finger at her. <laughs> and Helen pointed her finger, no, silently said no, and pointed towards me. So one of the guys came over to me and gave me the hat with the challenges. So I picked out a challenge. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm pretty confident with whatever, hopefully, anything except the dance. <laughs> and um, I pulled out the word said, say something nice or good about yourself. And there was a long pause and I just broke down crying. I just couldn't think of one good thing to say about myself. That's how low I was f- feeling about myself. And then this one of the amazing young guys called John came over and he just championed me, just looked at me and and put his arms on me and just said all these really affirming good things he saw Mm -hmm. in me. And that was just, I was a mess um, for another minute, I think. And then, yeah, everyone sort of cheered and it was just just such a nice moment. And he went back down and and I had the hat and I said, no, I want want to do one more. (laughs) And they were expecting me to pull one out of the hat. But I said, I want to do a... A prophetic dance, <laughs> and everyone just erupted. It was we were just like, crazy, what? <laughs> except for his wife, who just went, "Oh no!" <laughs> I think she shrank back in her seat. Um, but I just like this is something I need to do because this the fear of man and the fear of everything in my life. It just got to a boiling point where I just had to stand on God's promises that I shall not be given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah, and I um. And when it settled down, I walked out to the front and one of the interns had this song, this song on her iPod. She just started playing it. It was just a perfect song and it's one of my favourite songs. <laughs> um, 
now. It's Jesus. Made for love. Made for love. It's um, Google it. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And she started playing that song, and I just did this. It was more of a drama between I was yeah. chained up with chains in concrete boots. And Jesus was beckoning me to come to like him. Like you started down on the floor, kind of like all hunched over. Yep. And you did this pantomime of being in shackles and in chains. Yeah, that's right. And then you would stand up and go walk over here and you do this motion like you're Jesus, like this, this come here yeah. type of thing. And you went back and forth from being bound up to this Jesus thing going in. Yeah. And... Yeah, and it just played out for a few minutes and Jesus took out a sword and just cut off the chains and smashed my concrete boots and, and I just broke free and, and walked mm-hmm. towards Jesus and he walked towards me and we just hugged each other and I was just hugging the air so it looked like I was hugging him. And then I just burst in uncontrollable sobbing. It was, And then Tracy came over to me and embraced me and then Helen did and then the whole whole group yeah, the whole just came group. around and just embraced me and, oh, people just and came unglued i mean and I, people were bawling oh. like there was not a dry eye in that room like was it, it was so emotional oh, it, like even to this day thinking about it i like i get the goosebumps people just were so touched of, and moved by seeing you do that yeah mm. you know and, and it's, it was because your your journey to freedom was all of our journey to freedom. Absolutely. Like that was such a testimony and a powerful thing um, to, to just the amount of risk that you took that, and especially for somebody that was a father figure to these kids, mm-hmm. to them to look at you and go, wow, if this guy needs this or if this guy could do this, it changed everything. Yeah, your breakthrough was everybody else's breakthrough too. Mm-hmm. You paved the way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, still to this day, people, when they talk about Scotty, that's one of the things they, they mentioned was this moment because it was so real and mm-hmm. it was so raw and it wasn't perfectly polished. You chose no. to do it. You were you didn't yeah. even draw it out like you had to do it. You chose to do it. Yeah. That yeah. was powerful. But I think, and just going back to, you know, John coming over, like him speaking those things over you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and John does not, is not, he's a very confident guy that really knows, like, I really think the world of John. Yeah, me and, too. you know, he's just a very confident, probably 22, 23 year old guy mm-hmm. and great musician, but definitely has walks in authority, walks in confidence. And for him to come over, and it's almost like that little act of him seeing you struggle for a second and he jumped in. Yeah. I think that made a huge difference too. I mean, sometimes we discount what we carry. And just standing next to somebody. You know, I remember when I stood up to sing, like I was scared to death. And one of the other guys jumped up. Yeah, one of the other guys on the worship team is very talented. He stood right alongside of you. He just looks at me and goes, I'll sing with you. I'll sing with you. And then one of the other guys jumped up. He's he's Uh a Marine vet. Yeah. And he comes over and and he comes up and goes, I'm with you here too. You're not alone. Yeah. And, you know, it's just amazing that, that when we have that support and we have those people around us, yeah, what we can do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you go from doing this amazing skidding class to everybody cheering. And then Tracy actually asked you to address maybe an even bigger challenge. Mm-hmm. He asked you to share a testimony 
in front of the entire school. Mm. Explain that yeah, one. Yeah, did he just approach you right after our class together, or how did that come about? He asked me during the next school class um, where he only gave me about 50 minutes or an hour notice to <laughs> give a testimony. It was after one of the classes. Oh. Um, and you have no idea the fear I have from public speaking my whole life. I've not done a lot of things. Careers have just crumpled because of the public speaking, the fear of it. it I just turn into a, a marshmallow brain mess. And, yeah, he asked me to give a testimony. Would I be willing? And I just said, yes, with clenched <laughs> teeth. And then I don't remember a word of what the, the, the next guest speaker was talking about up until the gap where he was. I bet. <laughs> and I was drastically taking small notes on a little bit of paper and, and just, but I've, I was nervous, but I thought this is what I need to do. Well, I um, can tell because usually when he has to do something like that, he's physically rigid with fear uh-huh. and agitated and just wants to leave. Mm-hmm. And he was being very calm and I could pick it up. I was like, what's wrong with him? He, he mustn't know what he's about to do. Has he not wow. thought this through? <laughs> wow. And that was such a difference that he really, I mean, he's probably had some nerves, right. but nothing compared to the kind of disabling fear that he would have had on another day. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So it came to the time when we went up, he asked us to go up the front and there was me and another two girls. And it's, he asked, I started giving my testimony and, and I didn't even use my notes, which is unheard <laughs> of because I have such a fear of forgetting what I'm about to say or, or in mid-sentence. I'll sure. just go, my mind will just literally go blank mm-hmm. and I have nothing. I don't even remember my name. That's how bad it gets. And I just spoke what I thought was fluently and and with confidence. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is a whole like new that, Scott up there. <laughs> my jaw was so fast yeah. on the floor. I mean, I had to push it back up again. <laughs> wow. Because this was not the Scott I was used to yeah. seeing no. speaking in public. He no. was coherent and it made sense and he didn't pause once. And it was fun. Yeah. Like you could, the, like you could tell that there was this almost joy and like there was no fear. You weren't shaking. You weren't scared. There was a confidence that like, this is a Scott. And we were God all created. so proud to see oh, you guys man. up there. Like, we were all, che- every, I mean, the whole school was cheering you guys on. Like, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was such a breakthrough and one of my highlights of first year BSSM, absolutely. And probably my life, as in breakthrough. Mm. Um, and it was really good for me because we'd been through some tough years and I hadn't seen Scott do much amazing, for, for, you know, especially since we'd stopped hiking and climbing. He'd just become a bit. Well, not very exciting, can I be honest? And I watched him do the drama, which was just absolutely amazing that he did that impromptu. He had no time to prepare it, and it was amazing. Wow. And then to see him speaking like that. And he not only told his testimony, but then he ministered. He prayed for people, and he broke off fear. Yeah. He did. The whole student body. Yeah. yeah. So it was seeing another man, and I think it was seeing who God designed him to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you went from risk taker, rock climber to risk taker <laughs> in a different way. That's what's really neat. It's like God's rewriting your story. Like, you're going to still take risks. You're not done. You're, well, that's it's right. just going to look different. The adrenaline's still there. It's that's just right. a different way. Well, that's right. I've been crying out to God. I need an need adventure, God. If I'm not going to be rock climbing or other adrenaline sports, I want adventure and, and excitement. And 
and that was wow <laughs> that was excitement that was enough excitement for one day yes <laughs> <laughs> wow so scott you actually take some bigger risks helen god sets you free from even more things and you guys have this life change what could have been a life-changing moment in a negative way you guys end up turning this around and god uses it for his good and his glory Mm-hmm. And so we're actually going to save that part of the story for next week's podcast. But Scott, I want to ask you, and this is going to be kind of on the cuff, but uh, I want to I want to ask you, one, if you could have talked, like if you could have said something to Scott a year ago, people who are struggling with these, these things of, of fear of man, fear of taking risks, self-doubt. What would you say to somebody who's struggling with that? Jesus came to set the captives free. Mm-hmm. I'm still emotional quite now because it's still a raw subject. He came to set the captives free, so just let him. If you're struggling with anything, fear, mental health, whatever it is, whatever you came to school for, let him do it. And just be obedient. Don't question, oh, was that my thoughts or was that God or I'll do it next week. Just do it. Do it Mm. now. Just be bold and just rise up, stand up, put your hand up, sit at the front of the class, whatever it takes. Mm. Ask questions. Tell your revival group pastor or if you're in BSSM, um, I'm struggling with this, but I want to f- want freedom from this. I want to be healed of this. I want help with this. If you're just listening to this and at home and you're part of a church, tell your pastor, this is what I'm struggling with. I want, I want freedom from it now. I don't want to wait any longer. I want to be able to be used, but not just used. I want intimacy and relationship with you, Father God. Mm. And I, want, I don't want to wait any longer because... Yeah, God's got a purpose for you. And he wants to start now. He doesn't want to wait. He wants to use you now. He wants to love you now. That's what I'd tell myself a year ago. Mm. Wow, Scott, that was that was powerful. You are not the same man that, that we met. You, you guys are not the same couple no. that we met a year ago. And as good as the first part of this is, there's more to this story. And so we're going to pick this up next week. I want to thank both you guys for being here today and sharing your story and just the vulnerability and honesty that you've shared is yes. so inspiring. So good. We will pick this up next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. See you later, mate. I like that. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And follow us on social media. And never forget, you're not alone.